Hello, fellow fans. I'm Mark. You know, with me is my co-host, the independent Brian. Hello, Brian. Independent. Hey, everyone. I'm laughing. <laughs> I'm laughing because for all you at home, Brian's wearing his Ted Lasso jersey. So I feel like it was good to be independent, Brian. Brian, are you enjoying season three of Ted Lasso? What is that reference? I don't even know what you're talking about. The independent? Oh, Trent Krim, the independent. Yeah, okay. My oh, bad. Brian. Uh, dude, he's Trent Krim, book writer, AFC Richmond now. Uh, I love season three. Um, there's a couple of character decisions I'm not 100% on understanding. Um, not that I'm on board or whatever, but man, it's as good as it's ever. Some of those jokes, Beard is Beard is just the man. I love it. Yeah. Don't, fear not, friends. We will do a... Uh season recap of Ted Lasso like we've done in the past. And I'm pretty sure Brian, and I will be having red strings attached to us during the episode just to make sure that we are flowing as one as we do the episode. Right, Brian? <laughs> nope. Okay. On the last episode, Brian and I discussed the Paul Rudd. Brian, I, I have something to confess to you about Paul Rudd. Uh-oh. Um, I, I was really excited for that Ant-Man book, but then Seeing the movie kind of lessened my excitement. I think I'll still read it, but it lessened my excitement. I'm sorry. Doesn't hurt my feelings. Oh, okay. Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantum Mania on May 17th, Disney Plus. That's true. I can't wait to watch the features. Maybe that'll help me out. On this week's episode, Brian and I will be discussing season three of The Mandalorian. This is the way, as United We Fans starts now. The truth is. I am Iron Man. I solemnly swear that I am up to no good. What is going on? What are you doing? To infinity and beyond! This is the way. The flux capacitor! Is Star Wars the one with the little wizard boy? Chewie, we're home. Avengers! Assemble. Ah, chills. Literal chills. All right. Hello, fellow fans. Thank you all for reuniting with us as we talk about all things fandom. Please give us a rate or review wherever you listen so we can out with more fans out there. All right, Brian, let's let's dig into some news before we get into the Mando. Uh, I am currently wearing a Superman shirt, so you may have guessed I'm a little excited. James Gunn announced he is writing and directing a new Superman movie. I can't wait. I'm I'm very excited. So I hope you're a little interested. Yeah, anything, dude. You know how in on James Gunn I am. So I'm all in. I I think he is excited. I think he has a good comic book head on him. So yeah, I'm definitely there. Uh, the new Flash trailer came out. We got to see more of Supergirl and Michael Keaton as Batman. Let's get nuts. Yeah. I don't know why, but that's dividing some fans. That line, I calm down. Well, it's so the, it's pulled directly from Batman '89, right? Like, I mean, yeah, do people understand that? It, yeah, he says Jack Nicholson. I don't, I don't know, but it looks good. I'm definitely excited. The reviews I'm seeing are, you know, putting it up there as one of the best comic book movies of all time. Um, DC can sure use a win, so I'm hoping, I'm hoping it's a winner. Yeah, it's it's at least making it more clear why they didn't abandon the entire project around the Ezra Miller stuff. If this movie really is as strong as everybody is saying that it is, um, I'm trying to 
keep my expectations low, but the more I hear, the more I'm like building it up, but I just don't love Ezra Miller, man. So I know, but I think this film, James Gunn said it's going to reset the DCU. So I don't think it's going to necessarily have a super happy ending. There's also, everyone keeps going on about cameos that haven't been shown. So yay for them keeping secrets. Marvel needs to, Marvel needs to go back to that, but any guesses on who the surprises are? Oh, I have, I, I don't even know. I don't even know where to begin. I hope it's somebody from the suicide squad. Ooh. Okay. Well, we also got another DC trailer, uh, blue beetle. And I, I like the character. Uh, it's definitely a curveball for it getting a big budget movie. I will admit the preview kind of reminded me a little bit of Shazam at times. So I hope they separate themselves a little bit, but I'm sold on it. I'm excited. Yeah, I mean, you and I both love Cobra Kai, which I'm now realizing. I don't know if I actually I know for a fact I never watched season five of Cobra Kai because I never heard super positive things about it. Uh, I will watch it before season six. Um, yeah, is I that mean, the newest one? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I haven't watched it. I was like, I really enjoy the show, but it started to get repetitive. People aren't communicating. They fight. Uh, it's just, yeah. George Lopez's hair is all I need to watch Blue Beetle. Yeah. I'm there. Uh, let's see. We're going to jump over to Marvel trailers. The Marvels came out. I am excited. I laughed. It looks like a lot of fun. We're running close to a year since Miss Marvel came out. Uh, I haven't rewatched it recently. I forgot how much I loved her in that role. Um, watching her, <laughs> watching her freak out when she sees yeah. Nick Fury and then freak out again when Goose eats all those people. Like she's, she's incredible. It looks like she's going to be able to hold her own with those two powerhouse actresses. I just hope they don't try to do too much with this film. As long as they don't do like previous younger actors where all they do is having them getting in trouble and running and screaming, I think she'll be fine. And it, from the preview, it does not look like that. It looks like she'll actually have strength and a character and I just, I just love that actress. Yeah. I still enjoy the show. Um, I will throw it on here and there. I defend Miss Marvel. She'll, she'll hold her own. Uh, I'm, yeah. I'm excited. She's Iman Vellani's spectacular. So I think, I think uh, Monica Rambo, Tiana Paris, um, and then Brie Larson. Like I think Brie Larson's going to be able to stretch her legs. Nia DaCosta is the uh, director of this one. She seems to have a good hold of what's going on. Very excited for that film. Yeah, I did love that they had the Beastie Boys for the song and rolled out with Don't Tell Me to Smile, the lyrics. And I think it's Brie Larson picking on all those people who told her to smile in the first one. It's 100% what it is. Good for her. Well, we also got the Secret Invasion trailer with Sam Blank Jackson. Um, I'm excited for this because it looks more like Winter Soldier-ish. And I want to see Marvel kind of do more like down on the street marveling. So I'm excited for this one. Amelia Clark, Olivia Coleman, Ben Mendelsohn. It's a, it's a big cast for a straight to streaming series. I'm excited for it. Very excited. Um, <clears throat> gonna jump from the comic book world to a personal favorite of Brian and mine is getting a new season in August with Paul Rudd. And Meryl Streep joining the cast. Brian, what show am I talking about? 
Only Murders in the Building. <clears throat> oh yeah, on Hulu. Hulu. August eighth. I'm excited. I don't love Meryl Streep. I've said that a couple times before here, and I get hate mail every time, so I apologize. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Paul Rudd joins the cast. There's a wedding of some sort that people thought Steve Martin walked Selena Gomez down a real aisle. Didn't realize it was part of filming the show, (laughs) but when you don't have to do a lot of, when you have brilliant actors where there's not a ton that they have to redo or reshoot and good writing and not a lot of special effects, the quicker they turn these series around, the better, especially with Hulu and all their financial stuff. Uh, that shows a monster for Hulu anytime it's out, so I'm excited it's coming back in August. Yeah, I just I love how it feels like a smart written play, and it's kind of filmed like that. I I just love it so much. Hilarious! Please check it out. I promise you won't regret it. Brian, a Mister Legendary Steven Spielberg watched Indiana Jones Five, and his review was: I thought I was the only one who could make an Indiana Jones movie. But it was pretty great. So Steven Spielberg approves of Indy 5. We did get the new preview. Um, <clears throat> it, I, it was a different style preview than the first one, which I think is wise to get kind of a newer generation into the movie. I'm there. I'm excited. I will. God, I'll be there opening night and I'll be seeing that movie a lot. Color me shocked. <gasps> no. Check out our Steven Spielberg episode. Oh, and our Indiana Jones episode. Two parts. Two parts. Um, yeah, I'm excited for Dial of Destiny. We will we will do a spoiler review quickly after it comes out. Uh, we are going to do a spoiler review of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, if you're hearing this. That's coming out very, very soon as well. Yeah. Brian, playing any games recently? I am. My $600 purchase of star wars jedi survivor because it's the only reason i bought a playstation 5 um is complete that game is it that people are calling it the empire strikes back of jedi fallen order it is a sequel that lives up to the hype so far it's been fantastic i'm only about five or six hours into the game at the absolute most um i'm really 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 enjoying it it's a lot of fun they built Do you think a- it needs to be a movie or a tv show uh, it feels like they're not going to do that, um, especially because they basically adapted half of the first game and put it into the Obi-Wan Kenobi series in the first place. Um, so I don't think they're going to ever do that, but I don't know why you cast an actual actor into the game unless you plan on potentially using him in live action at some point. So I think you could see Cal Kestis make an on-screen appearance, but I do not expect it to be in an adaptation of the film as much or of the game as much as I think it should be. It's very compelling, compelling storytelling. I really, really like it. It's diving into high Republic stuff. Now there's it's, it's really, really well done. I laughed really hard at the um, making of preview with Mark Hamill, uh, giving (laughs) Jedi tips. I thought yeah, that was hilarious. To Cameron Monaghan. Yeah, that's super. That was super funny. He's hell hanging upside down. Yeah, pretty funny. Well, that was Mark and Brian's world news. <clears throat> and Brian, I can't sit on this any longer. I have a uh, hot take. Feeling hot, hot, hot. So we, we get it often where two giant movies are releasing on the same day. And we're getting it this summer with uh, two very different movies 
Um, Brian, can you guess which two movies I'm talking about already? Or uh, Oppenheimer and Barbie. Yeah, here's my hot right. take. I, I'm going to see Barbie before Oppenheimer. Feeling Christopher Nolan would be so mad at you. I I'm going to watch like, Oppenheimer on my phone while I sit in the theater watching Barbie. Take that, Christopher Nolan. <laughs> I I'm not a Christopher Nolan hater, but um, I did go back rewatch Tenant. Oh man, there were there were there was brilliance in it, and then there was too much in it. I rewatched Inception. That movie is still a masterpiece, but um, God, yeah, I already know there's going to be a lot of uh, intellectual moviegoers who are going to be mad at me. But yeah, uh, Ryan Gosling in that preview. I'll beach off with you. I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> I love Simu Liu. Uh, I will oh, stick. Yeah. I will stick in your lane with my hot take. Feeling hot, hot, hot. Get over it. The Aqua Barbie Girl song is not on the soundtrack for Barbie. Just move on with your life. Who cares? Thank you. Oh, are people upset about that? So many people are so pissed. Come on, Barbie, let's go party. And I do enjoy that song. I mean, you know what? I'm not gonna lie. I'm just happy that so many people remember that song. <laughs> so yay! But right. this is what I'm saying. It feels it's too on the nose at this point. Yeah, like that's why it's not included. I'm sure. That's just it. I, if the movie was made. 20 years ago, 30 years ago. Yeah. If sure. it had gonna... originated the song potentially. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I think the movie, they're actually trying to make a movie and not a like spoof movie. So I agree with them not putting that in there. I'm good with it. I'm with you. I mean, it's still going to be a spoof movie, right? Yeah. Oh man. See Mulu is going to be hilarious. And I'm glad I see so much of that guy around. He's, He's funny. Yeah. All right, Brian, you ready to dive into season three of the Mandalorian? Let's do it. Brian, being the Jedi master of the show, for everyone at home, I enjoy Star Wars. I love Star Wars, the rides, the shows, the movies. I've read a couple of the books. But would I be considered a Jedi master on the world of Star Wars? No. Uh, I would say like a Padawan. I'm going to give myself Padawan. Um, so um, I'm also the guy, if you have uh, forgotten, is waiting for the Jar Jar Binks redemption story. Um, I think he's owed. So, Brian, Jedi Master, please take it away. Jar Jar Binks redemption story, huh? Wait till the fourth episode. Um, <gasps> all right, let's get into The Mandalorian Season 3. Mark, where do you stand on The Mandalorian coming into Season 3 after Season 1 and Season 2, and technically Season 2.5 at the Book of Boba Fett? Oh, man, I did just read that the... Um some of the people who were part of Boba Fett were not happy that Mandalorian kind of hijacked that show a little bit, but he hey. saved that show is what he did. <sighs> um, so Mandalorian season three, um, I was happy. They, I'm sorry. This is what plagued Obi-Wan is. It was a babysitting show. Mandalorian was a babysitting show that I was like, please stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. And they stopped. Um, they took it in a different direction. a, really strong direction um i'm happy for that because i enjoyed 
uh, Andor way more than I thought. So I was hoping that Mandalorian was going to continue the trend of developing, not just recycling. And boy, did they expand on this universe. Yeah, the it, it really didn't feel like a babysitting show. And when people that didn't watch the Book of Boba Fett watched The Mandalorian, I think that's where the criticism is totally fair, where all of a sudden we ended season two and Luke Skywalker is walking off with Grogu and now he's just back. Um, and I think yeah. that was a fair criticism. Um, but simple yeah. fact is I was caught up to date. I didn't have any concerns. Uh, nope. We opened the first episode, chapter 17, called The Apostate with a giant crocodile turtle. Um, it, you kind of thought maybe that was a younger Din Djarin and we were getting a flashback to the past. Then you learned very I quickly. I thought that, yep. Yeah, then you learned very quickly it's not. You got the N1 Naboo Starfighter make its first official Mandalorian appearance and not Book of Boba Fett appearance. Um, that ship is incredible. I It will never get old to me. Um, it's set up. A great episode. We go back to Carl Weathers as the high magistrate. Um, they're just, I had absolutely zero complaints with the first episode. That is not to say I don't have complaints about this season um, because there's a lot of complaints that I do have that we're going to talk about. But Bo Katan, we learn, has, has also been abandoned by the rest of her people and she's just kind of sitting and waiting to sulk and die in her own. In her own thing, but Mark, what did you make of of Grief Karga being the high magistrate with the self sacrifice of IG eighty oh. eight statue in the middle of everything? And we got Babu Frick. Hey, hey. I I was one who thought that was um, Mando as a kid, so I I bought that. Um, but I was I I think it was a very strong start. So yeah, I wish I had more to say, but. I know I should being that it's my show, but I, yeah, I thought it was a good intro to the show. We wasted no time in the second episode, uh, titled the minds of Mandalore. We go back to Mandalore, um, because he needs to bathe himself in the living waters to redeem himself for having taken off his helmet a couple of times now, uh, to find the ship, uh, to find Moff Gideon's light cruiser, as well as simply show his face to, Grogu at the end of season two, pretty flimsy in my opinion. And this is where I'm going to have some criticisms on the back end of the show. Um, because I wish like, and I can get into it now. I wish there had been a lot more self exploration that Din had done for himself of half of these Mandalorians will take their helmets off and everybody's cool with it. And half of these people won't. Is this really something that's super necessary? Instead, we just, redeem ourselves it's over it's done we're going to keep our helmets on and we're not going to push anything forward because we don't want to pay pedro pascal to appear in every episode of our show um because of 600 grand an episode for the last of us for example um it was a very flimsy excuse to take r5 um because we're supposed to be fixing ig88 or excuse me ig11 so why are we doing this whole fix ig11 thing because he needs to go to Mandalore. Turns out it's not toxic at all. Just really convenient stuff throughout the episode. Yep. And then you fix everything by showing me a mythosaur at the end of the episode. At I, least at the time, that's what I thought. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it should be a, you know how like in return, the, or uh, what is it? Empire 
where Luke kind of goes on the discovery mission when he goes into the cave and there's Vader and, but it's kind of, I, I wanted if, if you take off your helmet, not just to be, Oh, I got to just go bathe in it. Okay. Yay. Helmet's back on. Everything's cleaned. I, I wish it would have been a more self discovery, maybe some visions or something like that. I, I, yeah, I wish it maybe would have gone that way. Well, and then, and then Bo-Katan just because she never took her helmet off and she was in the water too. Like, I feel like baptism, you have to at least want to be willing to yeah. be a part of that. Like they just kind of let her in because, Hey, you were in the water and you haven't taken your helmet off since cool. And then, I mean, we get the, we get the Krang thing. Cause I don't know what it's called, but the spider robot thing, yeah. like I called it at the time going, it took, it is now the rightful owner of the dark saber. Yep. And now Bo has it like, and that just becomes the, the explanation. Like we don't yep. have to go through this character development, this reckoning that Bo has to fight Din for the dark saber. Nothing. It's all just get from point A to point B as quickly and as easily as possible. Yeah. It was very, you know, Harry Potter, um, who controls the elder one Draco Malfoy kind of thing. I felt a little bit, I know Star Wars fans are going to get mad at me, but that's kind of how it felt to me. And then, you know, uh, the general grievous spider thing. Um, at first, I was like, man, this is a pretty good villain. Oh, no, he's down. Okay, cool. I, I thought the mythosaur. But the head ran off. The little head ran off from it, the yeah. spider. Yeah. I thought that was going to come back, and it didn't. Yeah, I mean, there was there was some cool stuff in that episode. But, again, R5 kind of being shoehorned in there. Yeah. just basically so he can be the reason that um appa from kim's convenience can find them later on um yeah. like i don't i didn't i didn't love any of that yeah. I, I i i was teased with the return of ig11 and i didn't get it until the very very end even though i got his body which we'll talk about yeah. um i don't know but the mythosaur for me fixed everything. <clears throat> I didn't expect. Oh, yeah. I didn't expect to see that. I thought that was really cool. Um, I thought we were going to see somebody ride a mythosaur. We barely even saw it. Like most of the Mandalorians on Mandalores don't even know it exists still, even though they've only dropped subtle hints that it's there. So I yep. wish it had taken more of a more of a, a central focus. So I mean, we'll see what they do in the future. This is part of the thing is I'm judging it on a story that's not fully complete, or is it? We'll talk about that at the end too. Chapter 19, the convert. We Ooh. start the episode with a fantastic fight sequence between Bo and Din in the ship in the gauntlet, and then we go away for 50 minutes. We go to Coruscant with Doctor Pershing, and what was her name? Um. What was her name? Elia Kane, played by Katie M. O'Brien. Elia Kane. What did you make of this episode, Mark? Going to Coruscant. Um, I mean, I enjoyed the uh, kind of like episode two, episode three vibes from it. Um, but <clears throat> the episode surprised me because I thought we were deep into that storyline. And then we took a, a big detour. Um, do I think it was a really good episode yes i think it was a, a good standalone episode um do i think if 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 i skip the episode and it just gets summed up in two minutes another way i think you could have 
summed up that episode in a couple of minutes in a different episode. I don't know if it was like, how do I explain it? It was a good episode, but was it vital to the show in the big picture? I don't know. I don't think so. That's the thing. I adore this episode. I loved this episode, especially when it premiered because I thought it was going to have stakes for the rest of the show. And for the most part, it was an Easter egg hunt around Coruscant. We get Palpatine's theme music. The song from that circus scene in episode three plays when like, there's so many good star Wars Easter eggs in that show. But now Dr. Pershing's gone. He got his brain wiped. Like, is he a clone of Dr. Pershing? Like none of that stuff really got answered. And at the end of the series, they just say his information is lost for now. And it's like, well, what are we doing then? Like, why did we spend all this time just to wipe his brain, not even getting the information you needed from him? I just, I don't get it. And we'll talk more about the clones at the end too, because I'm super, like some people say the clones of, of Gideon came out of nowhere. Absolutely not. We've been telling you yeah. in our reviews of season one and season two, Pershing is a clone. Like he's got a Kaminoan patch on his sleeve. Like we knew cloning was a thing. Yep. Part of this entire show is explaining how Palpatine comes back in the rise of Skywalker because they're trying to put a bandaid on how much of a disaster that movie is. But <laughs> I just, that's, that's, that's the story they're telling. The clones didn't catch me off guard. And we'll talk about the absolute waste of that storyline at the end of the show. I'm sounding yeah. very negative. I loved, loved, loved this episode, but I love it a lot less now because we don't get the payoff that I thought was coming. We end the show again, Bo being told, Hey, you could be part of us, even though she says, I don't want to be. And she one just of us, one of us goes along with it because Katie Sackoff is cheaper than Pedro Pascal, which I understand mm-hmm. that too. Mm-hmm. Um, we move on to the next episode, Jar Jar Binks Redemption yes. to an extent. Chapter 20 called The Foundling. About half of the episode is taking place in a flashback that Grogu has while he's getting a Flava Flav necklace made for him. Um, <laughs> we finally learn who saved Grogu from Order 66, and it was none other than the Jedi Kelleran Beck, who made his appearance actually on the Trials of the Jedi Temple, I believe is what it's called. It was a YouTube game show for kids, basically Star Wars Legends of the Hidden Temple. Hosted by Ahmed Best, who received death threats for his portrayal of Jar Jar Binks in the prequel series. Mark, it may not be Jar Jar Binks' redemption, but it was Ahmed Best's redemption. What did you make of this storyline? I am I'm I wanted more. I I loved it. His reveal, you can tell he owned every moment of it. Way to go with that little like trivia knowledge about the game show and all that. Um I what you're right. It's, it's not Jar Jar Binks, but I am glad he got this opportunity. Um, those scenes, though, those that was some that was some good dark Revenge of the Sith going on there. So, and you know how highly I think of that movie. So I was loving every minute of the flashbacks. I thought it was fantastic. I thought it was it was going to be very very hard when you pull out Luke Skywalker at the end of season two. It was going to be very hard to pull anything off that would have been a surprise. I think the only other person that would have been a bigger surprise on the other side of that door than Ahmed Best would have been Samuel L. Jackson as Mace Windu, and that's how they announced that he survived. I thought, I personally thought that's what it was, a very battered 
um, you know, close to death, Sam Jackson. But I'm glad it wasn't. I, I am feel too. Like this- I, I am too. I I think this gets the recognition it needed, and it keeps yes. the focus on Grogu and not on Mace Windu. I also felt it was a more natural story element as opposed to Sam Jackson that could have felt a little forced. Um, no pun, pun intended. intended. Uh, yeah. um, I, I didn't mean to. Um, but no, his his appearance. Um, I hope it brings his reputation into the light and um, <laughs> fine. I, I enjoyed it. Uh, this is an episode that I watched more than once. I mean, I watched, actually, I think I watched them all more than once, but this one, I definitely enjoyed a lot. Let's talk about the other part of the episode where apparently fuel for their jetpacks is a concern only when it needs to be. Um, I, I didn't love, I thought some of the action, like the flight sequences with the jetpacks were really cool, but the entire logic of chasing down this thing and how long that kid stayed alive by being taken away by the pterodactyl was, was a little bit frustrating. I didn't care. I want to know know if it's a hot take. I didn't care. Paz Vizsla says that's his kid. It's, is it, is, is it his kid is in Grogu is Din's kid? Or is it like his kid kid? I think it, it's his ward. I think uh, somehow he is. Like he, he adopted him? Like yeah. A, like a foundling. It's a foundling, not his kid yeah. kid. I think it's his Robin. Okay. Because if it's his kid kid, I have questions. Yeah. No, let's not. I don't. Uh, no. <laughs> and the I helmet think... can stay on, I suppose. Uh, I anyway. don't. I don't think so. I mean, I guess maybe if like they're in the helmetless culture, maybe they are more up, oh, man, this is going to get into really deep topics. I don't know. That's what I'm saying. Well, I mean, I think it's his ward final answer. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. It, yeah. it probably is. But like I said, the helmet could stay on and everything else would still work. So, Gross. um, <laughs> anyway, we will move on to probably honestly, my favorite episode of the entire season in chapter 21 the pirate um this is where i said r5 the entire thing is explained why r5 went with him because they could find paul sun hyung lee's character of captain carson tiva could find them um we have tim tim meadows the ladies man as colonel tuttle um (laughs) we are at least seeing that elia kane is up to something on coruscant we knew she was dirty after she wiped his brain i mean it was obvious she was dirty the entire time but yes, I didn't, I didn't get faked out at all. I'm like, no, you're not selling me. Well, no. And I mean, again, they played the exact song from when Palpatine tells Anakin about Darth Plagueis in yeah. episode three, like when she's on screen, like it was, if you, if you knew, you knew like, um, so we get Tim Meadows, we get a few, this is where it kind of starts the cameo parade that is only going to get worse in the next episode. We go to the bar where we see Paul Sun Hyung Lee. Dave Filoni is there as Trapper Wolf. Deborah Chow is there as Sash Ketter. Rick Famuyiwa is there as, Dib, as Jib Dodger. But guess who else is at the bar, Mark? Garazeb Aurelios from Star Wars Rebels. Carapace. Is the Lasat that is the big hairless Wookiee, basically, with the big green eyes that talks to him. He is from Star Wars Rebels. He is going to be in the Ahsoka show. I'm sure of it. 
and he was voiced by Steve Blum, who voiced him in the cartoon. I lost my crap when Zeb showed up on screen. I'm glad that cameo brought you happiness. I uh, You're looking at me like you just learned this information. Uh, I want to say this information has a lot of weight for me, but I will uh, say that it made you happy. That makes me happy. Did you know it was him? Do you Did you know he existed? No, no. I, oh. I, I'm not going to lie. As soon as we're done, I'm going to go uh, kind of do some digging and find out what exactly you're talking about. Oh. I'm sorry, buddy. I'm sorry. Garizeb Aurelios. Look him up. He's fantastic. So he, I, I lost it. Lost it. Like the rest of the episode, I was so focused on on Zeb being in the show that I, you could have done anything and it would have been awesome. But we get fantastic shots of the Mandalorians dropping out of the ship onto Navarro. We get great fight sequences both on the ground and in the air. Bo and Din really trust each other. There's a lot of cool stuff that they could do. And then we got the main pirate um, who was Gory and Shard played by Nanzo Anozi is the actor who uh, portrayed Gory and Shard. He is also, you may recognize him as Sam Obisanya's dad from Ted Lasso. Um, oh, okay. He's, he's man. He's a, he is a absolute truck of a man. He is yes. huge. Um, rumors I are love him in the newest episode of Ted Lasso. Yeah. Fantastic. Rumors are Gory and Shard is going to be one of the main villains of the show. Skeleton crew starring Jude Ooh. law, um, which is coming out late 2023 this year. Um, so we'll see, we might get more gory and shard, but I would assume that would have to be a flashback considering how this episode ends. You'd have to do a lot of convincing to convince me that gory and shard is still alive when that ship went down. His ship is cool. The space battles were cool. There was a fantastic cameo from Zeb. Again, I was fine with the Tim Meadows stuff. Everything about this episode worked for me. This was, this was the Mandalorian at its peak for the season for me. First time director for the show by Peter Ramsey as well. Yeah. Uh, Tim Meadows was good. Uh, at first I was like, no, go back to the pirates. I don't care about this. But of course you got to set up that the new government is still like figuring itself out. So that was good to show. But um, I can't believe how into Star Wars bureaucracy I am. This yeah. and or like establishing the new Republic is actually very, very interesting how they're yep. just another version of the Empire. Nope. Yeah. I, I, I really dig that aspect of it. Um, this show comes off like a space Western. So I was very happy for a space pirate story. Um, some of the aerial battles, I, I was enjoying that. That's kind of something I missed from star Wars. So I loved it. Um, the music at times felt even very parts of the Caribbean ish. I enjoyed that part. So I, I thoroughly enjoyed this episode and you know, it felt like, man, this town, Oh no, are they going to actually destroy it all? I was kind of thinking they're going to destroy it. Then what are they going to do with these people? You know, poor Carl Weathers and luckily, you know, they uh, saved the day. Spoiler but, alert. That's my other thing is this ship comes in over Navarro and it's a light cruiser with a gigantic Mandalorian paint job on the oh, bottom yeah. of it how many cans of paint did that take that's that's just i mean granted we will you know like because <sighs> technically that's the start of the next episode which we're going to get into here in a second right yeah 
they, <laughs> that's a deleted scene. Hey guys, should we paint something on the ship? You know, just something that says Mando. <laughs> it worked. <laughs> yeah, it worked. So chapter. Ooh, ooh! I am so excited for this next episode—the most controversial episode of the season. This season, not to be hyperbolic, made me want to jump off of a cliff from at least four hundred and fifty feet in the air. <gasps> what? Did you like Chapter Twenty Two, Guns for Hire, directed by Bryce Dallas Howard, starring Jack Black and Christopher Lloyd and Lizzo? Yeah, it it. For me, it felt like a fun, like Firefly Orville Galaxy Quest um, episode. I, yeah, I, I had no hate. You know how much I dislike Chapter Five, The Gunslinger, with Discount Ben Han Solo, Toro Calican. <laughs> this, that episode, compared to this, is The Godfather. Okay, let me ask you this: Is it because of the actors that were in it or was it the storyline? Like what was the biggest disappointment? The entire thing made absolutely zero sense. Oh, I agree. Was that storyline important to the overall picture? No, you could have had her win her troops back in a totally different way. And okay. these And that was also way too easy. We're not even there yet. I know. Well, then the droids being corrupt and, Okay, we're going to get into Christopher Lloyd and uh. Christopher Lloyd felt asleep on set. Lizzo was reading from cue cards legitimately. And Jack Black was just there to be Jack Jack Black. Black. I'm not going to complain about Jack Black. I will complain that he just didn't matter. I he did talk about being part of project amnesty or of the amnesty project that was introduced to us in the Coruscant episode. I wish we had delved a little more into Project Amnesty is kind of like Operation Paperclip where people were just doing what they were supposed to be doing when really they were trying to basically raise Hydra within the within the New Republic. <laughs> the entire thing was so so especially because the episode before we didn't talk about it was we just learned that Moff Gideon has been sprung by what they think are oh, Mandalorians. Yeah. And now we take this sidetrack into Walt Disney's version of Epcot and we, it was such a disaster. The entire thing from start to finish when we knew all along, Christopher Lloyd was the one when he could have just pushed the button at the very beginning, it would all been fine. I, I will. Now that you brought that up, I do remember going, wait a minute. No, you left us on a big cliffhanger. What is this? We, we need to get back into this. Um, I guess if I'm going to com- give the critique to the one episode earlier in this season that did it really, could we have just summed it up? Did it need its own episode? This one, no, if you deleted it, there was other ways she could have gotten back her army. Um, I I agree. This episode is in no way vital, but I I I guess I enjoyed it. I had fun. I didn't. Nothing really bothered me. And then Grogu, like we know, Grogu's uh, not perfect. Yeah. He ate the frog lady's egg last season, which absolutely yeah. had no reason for that either. Nope. But he's cheating at space. Yeah, cro- space croquet. croquet. Yeah, and I, man, I I love Christopher Lloyd. You know that. I love Jack yeah. Black. I don't listen to Lizzo often enough. I have nothing against Lizzo, other than the fact she's not a freaking actress. 
it was so painful. Okay, well, okay. You got Lizzo, you got Jack Black, you got Christopher Lloyd. There's three actors there. And Brian, now it's time for a random Rushmore. The game where everything's made up and the points don't matter. All right, friends, for everyone playing at home, Brian came up with Rushmore where we pick our top four. I like making it fun and spicy for him. And... Brian, I need, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy comes out this week. I need your Rushmore of Marvel 3s. Marvel 3s? Captain America Civil War, Avengers Infinity War. Um, well, I panicked, but then I handled it. Iron Man 3. Oh, come on. You're forgetting a big one right now. And Spider-Man No Way Home. <gasps> Thor's not going to make it? Oh, crap. Uh, yeah, no. I mean, I love Trevor Slattery, but Iron Man three has to go. Ragnarok is is there. I forgot Dark World existed. Yeah, uh, you know, Infinity War, um, Civil War, Ragnarok, and then um, what did you say? Spider Man No Way Home. Oh my God, that has to be on there. There's no way. Yeah, I agree. Now, would it be even like? Would I be a bad friend if I asked you to rank those four? Uh, Infinity War 1, No Way Home 2, what? Uh, Ragnarok 3, Civil War 4. Hmm. I think Civil War is my number four. Uh, I think I'm going to go No... Man. Man, am I about to go No Way Home 1 and then Infinity War 2? I don't know. Anyways, that's our random Rushmore, Brian. We can get back to um, your three actor cameos in the episode that just made you so happy now. <laughs> Let's tie it back right into the episode because we skipped over the very beginning of the episode. Tom Holland starred in Spider-Man No Way Home. The voice of the Mon Calamari nobleman who's madly in love with the Corrin captain at the very beginning of the story, which was super, super annoying, was yep. the brother of Tom Holland, Harry Holland. Um, the entire episode was unnecessary. Bo, oh, yeah. Bo just gets the dark saber back. She doesn't have to fight Din. Everybody yep. just takes Din's word for it yep. because he already tried to hand her the dark saber once. Wouldn't take it. Now it's like this technicality from four episodes ago that I caught on to right away. Going, this doesn't make any sense. Why? Why is it not hers? She uses the dark saber way better than everybody else. I want her to have the dark saber just from an entertainment standpoint. But none of it made sense. None of it made sense. It. To me, it felt like they tried to make a moment and it I was just like, okay. Like they had the music, everybody looking on her, like we agree, she's our leader. It, the the moment just did not grab me. This isn't the only time they tried to make a moment that didn't work either, because they do it in the finale too, when all of a sudden Din realizes that he wants to adopt Grogu. It's like, yeah, dude, we've been doing this for three years. Like we we know. Yeah, uh, time. yeah um so i don't man like the very first episode bryce dallas howard did was the premiere of cara dune episode four chapter four on that planet with all the with the atst Ugh, yeah not a fantastic episode way better okay. than this then yeah. she directed the um bo-katan Kree's premiere chapter the third episode of season two very good episode. Then yep. she directed the fifth episode 
of the book of Boba Fett where Din Djarin made his appearance. He beheaded the guy. He got the N1 Naboo starfighter. All of that book of Boba Fett, which was the Mandalorian. Um, that episode's incredible. Yes. Then she does this. Like she's two, she's two out of four. Like she's batting 500, which in this circumstance does not warrant you getting a film. Uh, in my opinion, um, as much as people want her to have a film, that's what scares me. This episode, oh, yeah. this episode was a disaster, man. I I think she's still finding her Star Wars voice, while other directors have, like, have definitely nailed it. Um, so I agree with you. I think she's still finding her voice. She's not making. To me, she's not, she hasn't made awful episodes to where I think she needs to be dropped or anything like that. But I think she's the weaker of the directors as far now. Could it be? Hey, she's not getting the best storylines. No, I mean, I, I feel like they all kind of talk about who wants what storyline. So I feel like she definitely has a say that, hey, I want this episode. So I don't think you can just blame it on that. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. If she's like, hey, you're doing this episode, make the most of it because she's not a writer. Like, so that's not totally fair. Like, I'll hold John Favreau's feet to the fire on that one. Where we're just, and I do think, and I, I haven't, I haven't said this on this episode yet. I do think that Dave Filoni was not super involved in this in this season because I think Ahsoka had his attention. They still haven't oh. announced directors for Ahsoka, which premieres in August. I think Filoni's directing the whole dang thing. Ooh. So, like, I'm so in on Ahsoka. We didn't even talk yeah. about that trailer. And I mixed up my episodes. I do apologize. We've been trying to do this episode for a couple weeks now. So the episodes aren't all as fresh in my mind as they should be. So I'm sorry if I'm jumbled and not able to speak because this is actually the beginning of this episode is when that Mandalorian light cruiser appears and we get the helmets facing off with the no helmets and everything else. But the episode was called the spies. Now we know why it was called the spies because the spies was more like somebody coming down and scouting out the planet. It's a biblical reference to Jewish culture. We all thought the spies meant Gideon had somebody inside the Mandalorians. I had fully convinced myself that the armorer was dirty, dirty, dirty. And they did a lot to make me think that. But now in hindsight, there's a lot of weird decisions in chapter 23, the spies, which is why it's no longer my favorite episode. Moff Gideon does make his return. We get the grand Admiral Thrawn name drop. We do meet, um grand admiral thrawn's right hand man um in pelion played by xander berkeley um we get uh the brother actually of bill weasley um brian gleason dumball's brother playing brendel hux which is going to be general hux's father so we're tying it again into the sequel trilogy there's a lot of really really good stuff in this episode but that opening monologue from moff gideon in we learn he's on mandalore what did you make of Moff Gideon's return? Long live the Empire! Long live the Empire! This show, that is one of their strongest and best characters. You need him. Um, I definitely, I, I'm sure I'm not like the first one to say it, I definitely have a theory about how the show ended with him that I'll get to when we get to that point. But any scene he's in, it's a good scene. I was so mad at this show after that Jack Black episode. And then this episode got me right back in, man. Good. Um, we like, I mean, we even get, um, 
warlock from top gun maverick um i can't remember the actor's name at the moment um but we we get all kinds of people um in this show as mandalorians and it was it was it was fantastic like the entire show was cool we saw how the empire is infiltrated they lied about the planet being toxic so basically the empire could keep mandalore without anybody trying to invade it yep. moff gideon is super super intimidating he actually hates Grand Admiral Thrawn. He's not working with Grand Admiral Thrawn, which I thought was really interesting. There's mm. there's this level of, of rivalry within even the rise of the First Order that's really interesting to me. He talks about how Thrawn has been talked about, but he's not ever coming. He's coming. Um, well, uh, so that's my question as an outsider. Thrawn seems like a pretty big deal from all I keep hearing. Um, is it going to be okay if he's... Like, does he need to be the main villain of the next season? Does he need his own show? Is it okay if he's only on a couple episodes? Charles Parnell was the actor I was talking about who played Warlock in ah. Top Gun Maverick. Um, Thrawn is going to be me. The, Thrawn is the main villain of seasons three and four of Star Wars Rebels. Um, he was then taken by Ezra Bridger at the end of Star Wars Rebels and has basically been missing for 15 years. But now he's pulling the strings from from the back. That's why Ahsoka is looking for him. Um, and he's going to be the main villain in Ahsoka. Okay. He is played by Lars Mikkelsen, who was the voice actor of Thrawn on Star Wars Rebels. Um, he is very, very intimidating. He's actually a character from Legends canon. He was the uh, heir to the Empire. He was basically the next Palpatine after everything happened, but none of that is canon anymore. They're now bringing a lot of that back in. Um, so Thrawn, if you want to know more about him, watch seasons three and four of Rebels. You can also learn about Zebrelios on that show. Um, but there's like Rebels season five is Ahsoka. Basically, they're jumping from cartoon to live action. It's going to be awesome. We did get IG-12. Mark, what did you make of Grogu's new suit? um i was it cute yeah honestly i thought it was a a merchandise ploy i know the filmmakers were like we wouldn't do that but it kind of felt like hey we're gonna build a toy it it reminded me of um was it kang from teenage mutant ninja turtles yeah so that's that's where i felt like i made the kang reference earlier to the the spider robot I was mm. calling it that when it premiered and now Kang like really made an appearance, but I, man, I thought it was fun. Like, I'm glad it's not permanent. I thought yeah. it was fun for the two episodes. It was there. I thought it was, it was cute. I thought it was fun. No, no, no. Like I thought that was funny. Yeah. Shout out to bluey. The yes, no button. If you're watching bluey on Disney plus. Oh, here it is. Look, bingo. You push this. Yes. <laughs> and if you push this one. No this episode got me all the way back in man i had convinced myself that the armorer was dirty they she conveniently leaves she goes back to the ship we see her on her way back to the ship but we never see her land like they leave it just kind of in flux and the next time we see the armorer she's back with the whole army we don't ever really close the loop on what she was doing other than being a medic which i guess i mean they had established that she was um but i was all the way back in on this episode and then chapter 24 the return. Ugh, I thought felt the, like a movie. I was so happy. You think so? The finale? 
Yeah. You loved it, huh? Yeah. Go ahead. What didn't you like about it? It was so rushed. It was so rushed. So let's talk about Moff Gideon. You said you have a theory on Moff Gideon's quote unquote death. Do you think he's dead? I I don't think that was him. I think that was a clone. Um, there was just some differences. I think it was a uh, not maybe not the final stage clone. I think it was probably one of his earlier clones. I don't think he would have put himself in that compromising of a position. So we didn't talk about the end of chapter 23. Paz Bisla dies at the hands of the Praetorian guards. I thought the Praetorian oh, guards yeah. being included in the show was, was a stroke of genius. I thought that was yeah. really cool. The way they tie that to the sequel trilogy, really good stuff. You see how capable they are. Paz Vizsla, I legitimately felt when he died, which would have surprised mm-hmm. me if you told me at the beginning of the season. I thought they did a really good job building up that character this season. And yep. him dying added stakes to the show that the show hadn't felt like it had for a while. Agreed. I Somebody needed to die. I feel like we hear that a lot in um, a lot of these series and franchises. It it had to be him. We needed an impact. We got him. We got to the point where we cared for him being a father figure and also um, his development over the last couple of seasons. And he went out in a, I think the best way possible. Um, it's not like, Hey, you could have gotten out of there. We could have found a way for you. No, um, their reveal from the smoke, those guards, that was cool. That was, that was super cool. Uh, and just an interesting note, uh, because I have weird facts like this in my head. Um, Paz Vizsla is a descendant of, of, um, pre Vizsla from star Wars, the clone wars, who has the entire dark saber story arc in star Wars, the clone wars voiced by John Favreau in the clone wars season one and season two, the voice of Paz Vizsla was actually John Favreau as well. Recast this season, the voice and the actor in the suit were both played by Tate Fletcher, who played the man in the suit in season one and season two as well. But Tate Fletcher um, did a great job acting behind that mask. Um, Paz Vizsla was actually a character we cared about. Um, yes. At the end of the first episode, or excuse me, the seventh episode, Mando's being taken to the debriefing room, which took me out of it a little bit. It's like, why don't we call it like, I, I don't know, like, the the pit of despair or something like that's a little bit more scary than a debriefing room um and and we close that so fast like grogu saves din immediately we don't we don't have we never fear there was some stuff going around the internet that that pedro pascal was unhappy with the direction of the show leading people to think that the character of Din Djarin was going to die and that the Mandalorian is now Bo-Katan. Like there was some stuff going around like that. I never really thought he was going to die. Had he died, I would have lost my mind, but they saved Din immediately. And I, this is my, go ahead. I'm okay with it because we knew he was, well, I, I didn't think he was going to die. So no. I, instead of us drawing it out going, Oh no, is he going to make it? We know he's going to make it. I was, I was happy. Okay. Let's not waste time. We already know he's going to make it. Let's go. But this is where my issue comes in is we see Moff Gideon looking at his Pac-Man screen with following the dots around saying the Mandalorian and Grogu are on the loose. He knows 100% exactly where they are in that building. And he lets them get to his clones, look at them and blow them up without ever trying to cut them off, even though he knows exactly where they are in that building. Valid. 
annoys the absolute crap out of me because then he gets mad saying you just destroyed i'm trying to the reason i was doing these clones the reason i wanted grogu throughout the first three seasons is because i'm trying to put the force into these clones i'm making this army they would have been unstoppable they had the force and you just blew them up if only i had known where you were in this building so i could have stopped you annoys the absolute crap out of me you're right now when i go back and look at it i'm just that'll be on my mind now that's he, a good point i didn't could have stopped them i i did wonder that i'm like why why is he watching them he just stayed in his office yeah he he really didn't make an effort and it's not like it was on the far side of the planet or anything he definitely kept them close so that he could keep an eye on them so yeah and, and like 15 minutes pass like it's not like oh crap they're on the way to the clone room like i better beat them there like he just lets it happen yeah. absolutely frustrates me um i thought the entire episode was rushed i think i i actually really liked the the triple team fight of grogu din and Bo. uh i think they did a they did a really good job um the hydraulic arms and the hydraulic suit that moff gideon was uh. wearing was a little bit clunky at times but overall, just the capability that he had in that suit was so much fun to watch. Yeah. Now hearing this, I mean, I still feel the episode felt very cinematic to me, but uh, I think if we could have gotten an expanded episode to if, if only it had been a three parter instead of a two parter and we didn't go to Epcot. <laughs> That's just it. I I mean I said it, that episode, the Epcot episode, you could have gotten her army back in a different way. Didn't need the rest of the episode. I still had fun with it. But yes, you could have gotten them back and back to the main story in a different way. Um, and the um, betrayal part with the doctor to get what he needed for the clones, I think we could have uh, explained that in a different way to get back to the main story. So yeah, I think I agree with you that there's other ways we could have gotten a part three to that episode at the beginning of the, of the seventh episode when they're, when the empire is having their, their conference and they say, what about the cloning Dr. Pershing's stuff? And, and Gideon's response is Dr. Pershing's research is lost for now. They don't right. really ever explain. Is he just keeping a secret from everybody else? Like, Oh yeah. Like, I think he's keeping it secret. So just tell us that, that Pershing's information, that's why they wiped his brain. Like, I, I need that piece of the puzzle filled in for me. Um, so that's that's where I get a little bit, I don't know. Like, Grogu saving him from the fire, that's how the Force works. Like, man, that's Star Wars. If you get mad at that, like, you just don't like Star Wars, which is fine. But, like, Grogu saving them from the fire makes total sense to me. I do yep. hope Moff Gideon lives somehow, some way. Um, yeah. Oh, he will. Giancarlo Esposito is is just the man. I I really I really like him. That entire, I guess it's the Holdo maneuver where Axe Woves just kind of drives the ship exactly into the port part of the planet where he needed. Like some of it's can is just so convenient, but I can look yeah. past that. What it is for me is you make a point to tell me you can track him, and you still let him just blow up your entire clone army. Like I could not look past that. And it's not even like it was early stages. They were, they looked almost done. Yeah. Oh yeah. So he'd been cooking them for a while. Yeah. They weren't, they weren't fetuses. No. Yeah. Um, then the episode, I mean, now the Mandalorian's going back to what it was like. 
it seems like Bo-Katan's going to get a spinoff show of some point. Like, yeah, the Mandalorian is not staying on Mandalore. Like, he's got his own. He's got his own house. They're going to go do their own adventures. Like season four, if it ever happens, I don't know if it's going to happen, man. I, I just I don't know. Do you think the show's over? No. Okay. I don't either. I, but I, man, I just don't know. I just don't know what they're going to do. I'm okay with them doing these other shows, letting some time go by and um, letting Mando and Grogu age a little bit. um, And then something to kind of pull him. Well, no, he won't. He's not retired because, you know, he's being hired as a freelance for the, the, for the new Republic. Yeah. For the new Republic. I was like, not the rebel Alliance for the new Republic. So it's a new hire or a freelance hired gun in the West. Um, I'm okay with letting some time go by and then we'll get back to him. <sighs> Permission to stand in my soapbox for a minute. Oh, uh, let me uh, here clear it off. There we go. All right. Take that off. All right. Ready. And go ahead and step up. Okay. The Mandalorian season one came out November of 2019. Seven episodes of the Mandalorian had premiered before Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker had come out. Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker goes over like a lead balloon. Somehow Palpatine returned. That's how they explain the return of the overarching villain of the entire Skywalker saga. The Mandalorian then becomes something that I don't think it was meant to be, and it was carrying the entire franchise of Star Wars on its back. I do think that the Mandalorian was going to be have these Clone Wars Rebels elements to it. The Darksaber obviously was already in there well before anything else, but it became having to explain... Because John Favreau said right at the beginning, before the show ever came out, that it was explaining how the First Order came to be. It was always going to connect to the sequel trilogy in some manner. We even knew the Kaminoan patch, the cloning. We knew it was all going to be part of it. But then the show had this extra responsibility added to it to explain how Palpatine returned and how cloning and Snoke and all this kind of stuff. I think the show got way more heavy lifting than it had to do, which then brought the show down a little bit. To now set it up where Mandalore has returned and Din and Grogu are out doing their own thing where in season four we can get back to base level what season one felt like, I'm actually really excited about. But where this is heading is if Rangers of the New Republic ever gets made because it was supposed to be a Cara Dune show, it's probably completely canceled. Ahsoka, Skeleton Crew the Mandalorian, whatever they do off of that with Bo-Katan. These are all going to culminate in a film that was announced that is going to be the Avengers Endgame level film that is directed by Dave Filoni, where Thrawn is going to be the main villain with Ahsoka and Din and Grogu and Bo-Katan and everybody all coming together to culminate one gigantic story that has been birthed in three or four different shows and then culminating at this point in time. It's five or six years down the road probably to set it up. But seeing Din and Grogu go do their own thing again for a while gets the show back to base level where I think it needs to be for a little while. I, uh, I know that was 
that was long, but I support you. I Thank I you. agree. It needs to go back to basics. Um, the reason we fell in love with the show, um, they have saved the Star Wars universe after um, a very uh, divided sequel trilogy with highs and lows, some very lows. Um, but yes, it is fine. Star Wars is cool and fun again. It is okay to go back to your original game plan now and let other shows like I agree. Let the other shows add some to the overarching story to when we get our Star Wars Avengers movie. But yes, don't let them all be like life rafts. Sorry, life rafts for saving that trilogy. I, I think what I could have said in a much shorter sentence is the Mandalorian was Star Wars for the casual person. Then it became you have to be locked in to understand everything. And, yeah. and 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 I think to a detriment, I'm locked in. I don't have any issues keeping up with the Darksaber and Bo-Katan and everything else. But most people aren't that way. So my last point of criticism is ending the season like it's a Looney Tunes episode where they have a black screen and a circle <laughs> and around Grogu and Din and a frog. Um, I, I understand that George Lucas used scene transitions, but it didn't ever freeze on a character like it was an episode of the Looney Tunes. That was my last criticism. I was very underwhelmed by the finale. Um, did I like season three? Of course I did. Was it my least favorite season of The Mandalorian? It absolutely was without any question. Uh, the ending, the last shot for me felt very Western. So I dug that because I like that The Mandalorian is a Western show. With his feet, um, ki- with his feet kicked up. I mean, yeah, yep. that's fair. But I, I agree with you. Did we, did we need to hold in there? It, if they had done shots like that previously, okay, but it they hadn't, and I felt yeah. like that's why it might have given the it, the finality of maybe the show, and maybe the plan is, hey, if the show never comes back, this can be the end, even though the show's probably going to come back. I I think it's too rich of a storyline to stop where they stopped it. Um, you know, obviously, I'm sure the um the accountants would like the show to go on um, just seeing how popular good Lord when the Mandalorian and Grogu show up at Hollywood studios, everybody comes running to that land. um, And everyone's like, Hey, are they out today? Do you know, do you know? Like, so the popularity is there. Um, That's why I'm kind of hoping these other shows can help carry the, the carry the weight. If you had to rank season one, season two, season three, for me, they are in that order. Season one's my favorite. Season two closely followed behind it. That episode with the Jedi and Ahsoka, that episode's so, so good. Um, but I do think that season three, not super distant, but it's a distant third place for me. Just kind of refreshing on season two. There were, good Lord, there were a lot of great moments in season two. I mean, granted, there weren't like, there were some, eh, but... I've been, I, I've been I, super I, critical of the Robert Rodriguez. Like there's no logic in anything directed by Robert Rodriguez in the star Wars universe, but the action he did with Boba Fett, like in season two. Yeah. Awesome. So I, I don't argue with you at all. I think for me, it definitely goes one, two, three. Um, yeah, I agree with you, but I missed Bill Burr this season too. I know he, God, he, 
he really took control of his, his episodes in season two. I think it was definitely high quality after Obi-Wan being a babysitting show with amazing moments and then falling flat a lot of the time with me. But Andor, you know, you brought up the casual Star Wars fan. I think Andor could have even been a, a casual Star Wars fan show. Yeah, I, I do. I do, too. But I think the the Star Wars connection scared enough people off there. But it really is like it's the born identity in Star Wars. Ooh, that's a good description. Which I is like what that. I mean, Tony Gilroy wrote the like he was involved in the born identity f- films. So like it's he he literally took that world and put it in Star Wars. And he's got all these different storylines that are all coming together all at the same time. The way season one wraps up. Season two, they announced, is filming now, hopefully August of 24, when we get season two, which is the final episode, or the final season of the show. Um, but I just, I don't know. Like, I, I love The Mandalorian. I'm always going to love The Mandalorian. But thank you so much for for listening. Like I said, I've been wanting to talk about this show for a long time. I've got a lot of things off my chest, so thank you so very much, Mark. Um, and I apologize if I misquoted something or something like that. Like I said, this isn't as fresh as I probably as we probably wanted it to be. Um, since the show wrapped up a little while ago, but uh, we hope you enjoyed it. And again, happy Star Wars week. Well, this concludes episode of Brian and I reviewing Mandalorian season three. We thank you fellow fans for uniting with us. For those listeners who want to get in touch with the show, please do so. Brian, tell our listeners how they can message the show and stay up to date on everything UWF. Easiest way is probably through Facebook at United We Fan the podcast, or you can shoot us an email at United We Fan podcast at gmail.com. Yeah, check us out on Instagram and Twitter. Post a lot of fun stuff on there. Um, thank you again. Listen to us wherever you check out your podcast. Give us a rate or review so we can unite with more fans out there. Till we unite again, fans. For Mandalore. For Mandalore. I don't know why I went Obi-Wan with that. Hello there. Grogu is too young to operate heavy machinery. No. What do you mean, no? No. I think he's saying he's old enough to operate it. Yes.